We are uh, talking about love again. What's love got to do with it? <laughs> You're right. Every, love does have everything to do with it. Uh, you know, when we think about love, really probably even when I hear the word love, your, your first thought is not like the love of God. <laughs> it's natural human love. Um, it's maybe romantic love, depending on what context you hear uh, someone talk about love. Uh, but we're talking about the God kind of love, uh, the kind of love that goes beyond uh, our natural abilities and goes beyond our natural desires. Because <laughs> a lot of times uh, we don't want to put the flesh under and love. Real love is, is a commitment, it's a decision, it's an act, and it's a self-sacrificing act. Because love puts the other person first. And your flesh and my flesh does not want to put the other person first. We want to put ourselves first. Like, think if you uh, have to go to the washroom, and like, you really have to go to the washroom, you're like, let me in there first. Or you're hungry, you're really hungry. My wife calls it hangry. It means you're hung so hungry that you're angry. <laughs> now, it's not the same for everybody because my wife's family has a, has a real uh, gift in that area. <laughs> I get that way, mm, I don't know, maybe once a month where all of a sudden I just didn't have the right thing to eat or something. I have to eat and I have to eat now. But uh, her family, maybe they have a higher metabolism because... Uh, that could happen every meal, really. <laughs> and my youngest son, Joel, I think takes after that part of the family because whenever they wake up, he wakes up, or my wife wakes up, it's like first thing, like, my first thing is, you know, not being too detailed, but I like to use the restroom. <laughs> but they're like, where's the food? Where's the food? I think, I don't know. I'm looking for the restroom. <laughs> so Joel will walk into our room and be like, He's getting older, so he's having more words, but he normally he'll walk in, and he'll kind of like, eat, eat, eat. I'm like, do you have to go potty? Eat, eat. So sit him on the toilet anyhow, and he goes to the bathroom. But what's foremost on his mind is the food. Uh, so kids are a lot of fun. They keep you humble and uh, not self-centered. I can't imagine having kids and trying to stay self-centered. <laughs> That'd be a terrible house. So let's look. Let's look at. Uh, I want to start with First uh, John chapter four, and verse seven. We'll start with verse seven. First John chapter four, verse seven. God is so good. Thankful for the word of God. I, uh, you know, there's um, lots of people have lots of thoughts about lots of things. Right? Let me tell you what I think about it. Uh you know, actually, chapter 4 says, uh, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. And then uh, one of the other uh, 
references talks about there's many voices in the world, none of them without significance. And so we have to realize that our battle is not against flesh and blood. So it's not, I'm not your problem. You're not my problem. It's uh, principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world. And uh, when we give uh, access or a place to other voices besides the word of God, uh, we're really given access to the devil to kind of do what he wants in our lives. But we have authority over the devil, over every work of the devil. And um, uh, he can't really hinder us if we don't let him. So we have to uh, yield to the spirit of God. And we find out what the will of God is through the word of God. And uh, I like to remind myself every once in a while how many people have given their life so that I could have the word of God. People were burned at the stake for the word of God, but the word of God endured. And uh, very thankful uh, to be able to freely read the word of God together, learn from the word of God, be taught the word of God by anointed teachers and preachers, and uh, uh, really let the word of God take first place in my life. And uh, just like you would if Jesus was here speaking to you or Jesus was in your bedroom in the morning or your kitchen table, wherever you're spending some time with the Lord, give the word first place, just like you would if he were here. Because really, if he were here and appeared to you and said such and such, it's going to line up with the word. So we should give uh, special attention to the word of God and special place to the word of God. Uh, 1 John 4, 7, beloved... Let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loves not does not know God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. I love that. Here in his love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know that we dwell in him, that he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him and he in God. And we have known and believed that the love God has in us, God is love, and he that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. That's kind of like our theme text for these messages. God is love, and he that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. You can take like a little side journey. You wonder how Jesus is doing. How sick is Jesus right now? How poor is Jesus right now? How bound up is Jesus right now? As he is, so are we in this world. So uh, he's free, he's healthy, he's wealthy, and he's wise. And he is, I think, totally yielded to his own spirit. As he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. 
For he that loves not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God love his brother also. First thing I want to notice there is, uh, you know, verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. So a lot of times we want to, I think we talked about it in the, the first series, long series that we did, we want to talk about how much faith we have in God or how much faith we have. We want to talk about how much love we have. Do you know how much I love God? I serve the Lord every week. I preach every week because I love God. I go on mission trips because I love God. I give tithes and offerings because I love God. One of the biggest mistakes we as believers can make is get so infatuated with who we are that we miss God because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So I want grace. I need grace. So I want to humble myself under the mighty hand of God that he can lift me up. So I love how John wrote this in 1 John that... Um, we love him because he first loved us. And he really says, let's focus on how much he loves us. And then look at back at verse 10. This is love, not that we've loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for us. So we, we really want to focus today on how much God loves us. Because what, what really happens when you find out how much somebody loves you? Man, you come to life. Uh, last week we talked about believing in people. You know, love thinks no evil. Love believes in people. From 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 13. Love believes in people. So, uh, you know, you're going to have... I think I put the quote back in this one as well because I really like the quote. Plus, I know Janice likes to try to figure out what I'm saying. If we try to influence... Or elevate others, we shall soon see that our endeavor is successful in proportion to their belief of our belief in them. So however much I, you feel that I believe in you, if you feel like, man, he's behind me, he says I can do it, he really believes it, he's just not saying it, he's like believing the best in me, like you can do this. Like maybe I'll use my wife because she's, you know, was an unintentional worship leader. <laughs> like you can do it. And um, just encouraging people uh, around us, those that are close to us, so much so that we see them the way God sees them. Maybe not after all the mistakes or all the familiarity that we have with them or what we know about them, but we see them in Christ. We see them successful. We see them the way God sees us. How does God see you? How does God see me? Uh, he doesn't see you because of what you forgot to do for him last week. He doesn't see you because of the failure uh, where you messed up in an area that you keep messing up in. He's not focused on that. Uh, Isaiah, was it Isaiah 43, 25. Uh, the word says, I, even I, am he that blotteth out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Isaiah 43, 25. So the Lord will like forgive and forget. He'll take like wherever we messed up 
And we, in 1 John, if you're a Christian, you appropriate 1 John 1, 9. We're in 1 John chapter 4. 1 John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And cleanse is not like, we're not just a forgiven sinner. We're actually saints born again. Saints, I was reading uh, another book this week on, um, I don't remember what it was on, but uh, they said one definition of saints is those that are like Christ. That's where the word saint came from. So when you're born again, you become like Christ. You become a new creature in Christ Jesus. And if you sin, that's what the Bible says. I'm not even saying if you sin. I'm saying the Bible says if you sin. So it doesn't mean like when you sin, but if you sin. We have an advocate with the Father. So we have a lawyer who has uh, the best protocol, the best procedures, the best knowledge, the most wisdom from every case, and he's pleading your case. He's pleading my case. When we miss it, when we mess up. Jesus Christ, the righteous. So it's not Jesus Christ, the sinner, or Jesus Christ, the one that sin was put on him and he was still under it. No, Jesus Christ, the righteous, who conquered sin, who in him was no sin but became sin for us, that we could become the righteousness of God in him. He's your advocate. He's my advocate with the Father. So he's right there. Even when we're saying the, same, the opposite thing, we're saying, eh, I'm just not good enough to do this. I just can't measure up to do this. Jesus is right there saying, they don't know what they're talking about. They are good enough to do this. I made them good enough to do this. It doesn't matter what they did. I'm telling you right now, because look, Lord, in the heavenly holy of holies, what is that? That's my blood. And God's saying, you know what? You're right. I don't even see what they're doing. That's taken care of by the blood. So when we confess our sins, he's faithful just to forgive us and to cleanse us. And then he will cast our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. The problem is we'll remember them or the devil will bring a picture up. And that's where the fight of faith comes in. You know, you put up your shield of faith because he's going to put darts and send darts to you and say like, no, you can't. Uh, E.W. Kenyon talks about really righteousness. He has a great book on righteousness. Talks about that uh, righteousness is the ability to stand in the presence of God without a hint of sin or wrongdoing or condemnation or like you don't belong. Righteousness is the ability to stand right before God and know that's right where he wants you to be. That's right where he made way for you to be, made way for me to be. And um, the blood of Jesus covers every bit of um, uh, not only missteps, but every bit of um, lack of ability, every bit of, oh, I forgot to do this, or I forgot to do that, or I don't know about this, or I don't know about that. Um, Brother Hagen talked about one time, he had two different um, ladies in his church, and one of them, like every single time, they would come up and get prayer for healing, they would be healed, boom, boom, boom. And there's another lady that, you know, if they ever did get healed, they really didn't, weren't aware of it, or maybe they got a little something every once in a while. And uh, one of the uh, young ladies in his church went up to ask him, like, why is that? And he said, well, I don't know unless the Lord tells me why one gets healed and another one doesn't, because healing is true. And uh, uh, he said, but I'll tell you this. He said, uh, one of them was like quick to repent and quick to forgive. And the other one was like, would hold a grudge. And he said, she's like, you're exactly right. That's exactly how it was, because it was the two sides of her family. And um, uh, the person that was quick to repent and quick to forgive actually was not as faithful of a churchgoer or as faithful of a servant in the, in the church. Uh, 
But as soon as they realize they messed up, they run right back to God. And the other one, you know, would kind of walk in on forgiveness. And, you know, he said, uh, or she said, you know, mom would forgive you eventually. <laughs> after she'd stewed over it a while and got upset about it. And so um, you find that uh, our actions really affect what we experience. So the one uh, would just say, Lord, I throw myself over on your goodness and on your mercy. And the other was, you know, more of the thought of, well, I serve every week in the church. I've been coming here for so many years. I give so much money. I do this. I do that. And really, uh, like Paul said to the church at Galatians, like, how, how, did you, how are you so quickly removed from what we taught you already? Like, why are you getting back into works when this is all about grace? Right? I mean, if you're truly born again, it's pretty clear that you're not going to continue in sin. Romans tells us that. Romans like 4, 5, and 6. Like, are you saying, like, because grace is so amazing that I should just keep sinning to make grace abound that much more? He's like, no, 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 no. If you really have a relationship with the Lord, it's going to affect how you act. So if you're still, like, in sin, you can't actually continue in sin, the Bible says, and be a Christian. So if you are, you maybe need to check up and see where you're at. Uh, but the grace of God and the love of God and the mercy of God are there for every single one of us, but they're appropriated by faith, not by works. So we come uh, to the Lord uh, based on what Jesus did, not based on what we did, yeah. whether good or bad. You know, that's one of the biggest challenges sometimes with people that are generally good is that they're like, well, I'm a good person, right? So I'm going to heaven. And you say, well... <laughs> How do you say that? Like, you're really not that good. <laughs> no, you just, don't, you just don't talk about that part of it. You talk about there's one way to the Father, and that's Jesus Christ. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not if you do all of the good and right things. Uh, but you will do those when you're born again or live a very miserable life if you try to not do them once you're born again. Because you got the Holy Spirit on the inside. Say, hey, 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 don't do that. Uh, you know, we're talking about love. So the love of God, the love of Christ constrains us. And uh, I know I've gone against that constraining power. And it's not a good idea. Not because God's going to get you. God's not going to get you. But you get yourself in some uh, devil's territory <laughs> and say some things that maybe you shouldn't say. And um, it can make it much more difficult. <laughs> It's much better to walk in love. Like we said last week, love never fails. Um, love will never fail. So let's read this in um, Barclay's translation. My dear friends, we must love one another. For love's source is God. And to love is to be God's child and to know God. Not to love is not to know God because God is love. As far as we are concerned, God's love was displayed in all its splendor by his action by sending his only son into the world, and so through him giving us life. The wonder of love is that not that God, uh, excuse me, that we loved God, but that he loved us enough to send his son to remove the barrier that our sins had erected between us and him. My dear friends, if God loved us like that, um, it is our burden, duty to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God becomes an integral part of our lives, and his love is perfected in us. 
the proof that our life is joined to God's life and is to and his to ours is to be found in the share of the spirit which he has given to us further we declare from the personal from personal knowledge because we were eyewitnesses of the facts that God sent his son to be the savior of the world if any man accepts and states as an article of faith that Jesus is the son of God God enters into his life and he into God's as for us we have personal knowledge of and faith in the love which God has for us and that's kind of what I'm talking about this morning, that um, as for us, we have personal knowledge of and faith in the love that God has for us. So when we become acquainted with the love that God has for us, um, we're able to take that same love and show it to other people, the love that has been um, uh, put in abundance in our hearts. Romans 5.5 5 says, the love of God been shed abroad in our hearts. God is love, so then if a man lives a life of love, he enters into the life of God. There's really no spiritual development until you start to grow in love or until I start to grow in love. The life of God enters into him. As far as we are concerned, love reaches its peak in that we are certain on the day of judgment we have nothing to fear because our relationship to this world is the same as his was. That's amazing. In love, there is no fear. So far from that, perfect love banishes fear. That's, that's one, um, one reason with my own children that, uh, you know, uh, you ever seen like a little puppy dog and they like know that they're not supposed to pee on the floor? And, uh, you know, they, I don't know what they train now because I don't have a dog, but when my grandparents had dogs and, you know, they get a new dog, we would train them. You take a little newspaper and roll it up and, like, swat their butt, and it makes a loud noise, but it doesn't, doesn't really hurt at all. But they kind of, like, re react to the noise. So I think of little kids a lot of times, and, um, uh, you know, like, did you eat that cookie you weren't supposed to eat? Like, you know, sometimes they'll stand, like, straight up and uh, get real nervous or... Um, you know, actually start to say thoughts from the devil, like, I'm bad, I'm bad, I know I shouldn't do this, you know. And um, we never say, like, you're bad. So we know that's not from us. <laughs> you know, it just, like, comes uh, through living in the flesh and living in the world. But um, I think of, I think of uh, the sin consciousness that comes when you mess up or when I mess up, when, when my kids mess up. And... Um, Perfect love banishes all fear. So one of my favorite things to do with my kids, especially when they really mess up, is I say, you know, Evie, Isaac, Daniel, Joel, whichever one. I'm like, come here. And of course, they're like, uh-uh, daddy, 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 you know. And I'm like, I love you so much. And I just give them a big hug and embrace them. And I talk to them for maybe two minutes about how much I love them, how wonderful of a child they are, how great they are. And then that fear that they have of failure because they messed up is not stopping them from receiving, right? Because that'll, like, I'll talk to them for, like, I can talk to them for 30 minutes, and they're in fear, um, and not really in fear because, like, I'm going to swat them on the butt, or they're going to get a punishment in their room or something like that. I mean, that may be part of it. You know, none of us like consequences for our actions. Uh, but they're not in fear like, oh, daddy's going to hurt me or something like that, you know, because, of course, I don't, I don't hurt them. It's more a fear 
of being in the wrong and doing what's wrong. Like, you know, like when you mess up, that same thing happens to little kids. And so I want them uh, to hear what I'm going to say. I want to be able to give into their life. So I want to love them. So the first thing I do is show them love. And, you know, I think of uh, the Lord in Hebrews, really, um, that we're supposed to come boldly to the throne of grace. You know, the throne of God's riches at Christ's expense, things that he did for us that we don't deserve, that we didn't work for, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. And so you don't need mercy if you didn't mess up. So uh, the Lord tells us, you come boldly. Come on in and say, I messed up. (laughs) Again, I need you. Like, I need your help. And uh, he's not there condemning us. God does not condemn us. Right? There is, what is it, Romans chapter 8 or chapter 9 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So if you walk according to the flesh, you're going to be condemned. Well, what does walk mean? Like your manner of life, the way you live, not just walking down the street, but how you're living your life. If you're living your life according to the flesh, you're going to be condemned. And actually, uh, our spirits condemn us. Even the Holy Spirit does not condemn us. Condemnation is like, that's it, condemned, done, you can't enter this building, it's over, it's done with. That's coming from the devil, and that's coming from your flesh. But God is the God of grace and the God of mercy and the God of love and the God of second chances and the God of more than enough and the God that makes a way where there is no way, where you can't figure out a way, where it's impossible with man, it's possible with God. God is the one that opens up uh, the supernatural to you and to me. God is the God that said, I'm not going to let mankind live this way any longer. I can't bear to see this. I want to be with you. And what's awesome about God is, I don't know if you know this, but do you realize when Jesus Christ came, he came and preached to uh, really everyone that would listen to him. And then he died and he went to hell and he preached to the captives in hell. And hell at that time was broken up into two compartments, paradise and Sheol. And so he preached to the captives. So even those that had died before Jesus Christ made provision He was actually a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So provision had already been made, but he hadn't gone through the actual act of doing it. But when he went through the act of doing it, he went and preached to the captives so that they could have life. So I mean, like you talk about, you know, uh, the dead shall live and have the gospel preached to them. Like you're like, well, in that day, you'd be like, well, thank, thank you, Lord, that you came. But my grandfather died and went to hell. And he's like, no, no. I made provision for that too. Isn't that amazing? God is so good. And, uh, you know, he knew that man was going to fall before man fell. But he loved us so much to let us um, have our own free will and to make our own choices. So um, where was I at? Talking about when you want to approach someone, uh, if you approach in love, love never fails. So you find that most people that are acting like, you know, the devil or acting like a spoiled brat, they really have had some bad experiences, maybe that day or maybe in their life, and they really need love, and they're not used to being loved. And sometimes when you love someone like that, they will snap at you and bite you and hate you, 
because they're not used to love. They can't believe that love. But the love that God has for us, we're to have for other people. He loved us so that we can um, love each other. In love, there is no fear. So far from that, perfect love banishes fear. I love that. So you walk into the room when there's full of fear and you banish that fear. You know, walking into some hospital rooms where um, someone has just died or someone has just gotten a bad report, uh, you realize like there's a lot of fear there. And the devil really works through fear. And then fear creates worry and, you know, gives the devil access. So you want to like get rid of fear, banish fear and just love on people. If you ever been ministering to people where, uh, you know, maybe they have lost a loved one or something like that, afterwards, uh, at the time, most people don't have the presence of mind to really think straight, you know, but afterwards you'll find out that one of the greatest ministries that you can have is what someone has dubbed the ministry of presence, like you're actually there. And um, not, uh, not there to, like, give the theological definition of death and, you know, all of those type of things, but just to love with the love of Christ and the love of God. And the love of God will penetrate through the dark cloud that the devil brings to situations. I just think of Christ like he was like, you know, like we humans can be a lot of times. He'd have all these people around him like, you're great, you're great, you're great. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And then like, crucify him next day. Crucify him, crucify him. He's terrible. Crucify him. How can he do that? What's he thinking? He's into himself. I'm telling you, he's into himself. You know, he's saying he's God. That's insane. So then they're spitting on him. And then like his best friend, one of his three best friends, like the best best friend, it's like, I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know that guy. I'll never leave you. I'll go anywhere with you. You can't even go where I'm going to go, Peter, right? He's like, no, I will go. I will be there. Mark my words. Right? You know, I just saw Pastor Mark this last week, and he, was, he said, you know, that's why pastors love chicken dinner. Because <laughs> that rooster, it all started with Peter, you know, the rock of the church. He's like, let's fry them up and eat them. <laughs> so that's why churches like chicken dinners. <laughs> but perfect love casts out all fear. And, uh, you know, fear, fear does have torment. I went, <laughs> you know, what's well, funny? You go to plant a church and uh, things that you never experienced, maybe you start to experience. <laughs> I never really... I don't know. I guess when I lived alone, it, it was kind of strange because I lived with my parents and it, oh, dad's always there to protect you. So I lived on my own in Georgia. And, uh, you know, you get a little scared or something every once in a while, but, you know, not super bad. But man, before we went to plant the church, I had like fear come on me. And uh, it's one thing to like read about it and be a little scared sometimes than to have like a spirit of fear come after you. You're like, my God, what is this? <laughs> And, um, uh, you know, it's uh, the more experiences you have in life, I think the slower you are to speak <laughs> and say like, oh, yeah, I know what that's like. <laughs> because, uh, you know, if you haven't been there, you don't know what it's like. And uh, fear can be really paralyzing. And uh, 
I remember till I learned to stand against and against it and stuff, I would have like night after night, I would not sleep like all night. I'm like awake all night. I'm not sleeping, not sleeping. And um, the uh, fear can be very tormenting and uh, can really control a person's life. And uh, so that's why, you know, the Bible says to resist the devil at his very onset, like the first hint, especially I would say like sickness and disease, like common cold or flu or whatever, don't, uh, don't let that slip or slide. Just say, nope, I'm not having that in my house. Mm-hmm. By Jesus' stripes, I am healed, I was healed, and I stay healed. And forever I'll be healed. And I don't yield to sickness and disease because Jesus actually took that on himself, carried it away, I'm not taking it, and I'm not going to have it. So um, fear has torment. And, um, you know, when you come in love uh, to help someone, uh, that fear has to leave. That fear can't stay there. And, um, you know, we have authority over all the power of the devil. Fear is connected with punishment, is the next part of the verse. If a man is still afraid, he has not yet experienced love in all its perfection. Our love has its source and its origin in God's love. For God loved us before we loved him. If anyone claims that he loves God while at the same time he hates his brother, he's a liar. For if a man does not love his fellow man whom he has seen, um, he cannot possibly love God whom he's not seen. And indeed, the commandment that he has given us is that the man who loves God must love his fellow man too. So I, I really love this passage from in, in Barclay's translation. One of, the, one of my pet peeves is, is uh, the deception that the devil brings. The devil is like a deceiver, and he wants to deceive you, and he wants to deceive me. And you look at this passage of Scripture, and I think it makes it pretty clear. Like, are you walking in love? Are you loving? Or are you not loving? And don't just say, like, oh, I love. I'm loving. You know, I think good thoughts about you. It's like, no, what do you do? How do you treat other people? Don't say that, oh, I love God. This is what I do for God, and I do all of this stuff. And, um, but treat your coworker like a jerk, yeah. or even worse, your family. <laughs> you know, um, Brother Hagen taught a message at his church one time, and in the message, he asked the question. He said, where would you go to find the most spiritual person around? And, like, people raise their hand, like, well, uh, I go into church, or I go, like, to the nursing home, or I go here, or I go there. And uh, he said, where you go to find the most spiritual person is their house, and you see how they treat their family. So the most spiritual person will be the most loving person, God kind of loving person, because all spiritual growth, spiritual development uh, starts with walking in love. And, um, you know, you can say a lot of things. Uh, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You can say a lot of things. You can actually have all the wisdom uh, beyond even this world's wisdom and um, not have love, and it doesn't amount to anything. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. You know, I'm reading out of the King James that actually says, and have not charity. I like to think of when I read that, I always think like charity means love in action. Excuse me, because we think charity like, oh, you're giving to the poor, right? 
Well, you're acting on the love that you have is what it's supposed to be. Some people do as an obligation or a duty. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity or love, I am nothing. So really, I can know everything. I can prophesy with the best of them. I can like speak for God at the inspiration of God, legitimately, words from God. But if I say it and I don't walk in love, it doesn't amount to anything, right? And um, you can give all your gifts to the poor. And, uh, you know, sometimes people give to the poor and um, they're really doing it for a pat on the back. Or like, look at me, this is what I do. This is my thing. I do charity. I give to people. And if you don't do it out of love, uh, you know, you got all the credit that you're going to get, you know, by um, getting credit from other people or patting yourself on the back. And you can give your body to be burned, like be a martyr. And you're just doing it like to be seen of men. And uh, that's not doing it of love. So um, without love, what we do amounts to nothing. It doesn't measure up to anything. But with love, the love of God, um, we're able to transcend and go beyond the natural world, the natural thinking, and natural man. And um, so I want to read this in closing to you. And um, while I read this, I want you to think of uh, the Lord and what he thinks of you, because this is, this is how he interacts with you and how he interacts with me, how he looks at you and how he looks at me um, uh, in your life and what you're doing. Love suffers long and is kind. Uh, maybe I'll say that this way. Um, the way God loves you is suffering long, and he's kind while he does it. God's love towards you does not envy. God's love towards you does not vaunt itself, or it's not into himself. Uh, God's love for you is not puffed up. God's love for you does not behave itself unseemly. God's love for you does not seek its own. God's love for you is not easily provoked. God's love for you thinks no evil. In other words, God believes in you. He believes in me. God's love for you does not rejoice when you mess up, but rejoices in the truth. God's love for you bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and God's love for you never fails. God's love for you and God's love for me is everlasting. I like, uh, you know, used to listen to Elizabeth Elliot growing up in her radio program. She's, you are love with an everlasting love. And her husband was Jim Elliot. And Jim Elliot went down to the tribes in South America. And I remember the, the guy that killed him was Minkai, because I met Minkai. Uh, but anyhow, uh, these headhunters, and they killed Jim Elliott and his other missionary partners. And then the, the wives went in and ministered uh, to the tribe and got them born again. And they made a movie out of it called like something like Tip of the Spear or something like that. But I had heard that uh, on the radio growing up, and she'd always say, you are love with an everlasting love. And then when I went to Rama Minkai, who's one of the warriors there, came to speak and uh, because I was doing something, I got to help host him or talk with him and stuff like that. So I met this guy who, when I was growing up, I heard the wife who showed all the love, said, your love with an everlasting love. And, you know, her husband was taken from her. She, you know, uh, so her program was called Gateway to Joy. 
And uh, so you are loved with an everlasting love by God himself. And love can transcend the worst act of any human. Love never fails. Uh, never fades out, never becomes obsolete, never comes to an end. A lot of other things will fail. A lot of other things will cease. Tongues will cease. Prophecy will cease. But love will endure. And um, love is the greatest of these. Faith, hope, and love. These three last. These three endure, but love is the greatest. Stand with me if you would. Well, Father God, we thank you for the love of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the love um, that you've loved us with, Father, that you don't think of us uh, according to our abilities or according to our performance, but, Father, that you look on us with a love that you're made of, that you look on us with a, a love that believes that we can do what you said we can do. Father, I pray... Um, I pray for each and every person that's here, each and every person under the sound of my voice. Father, I pray, like Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus, that you, the God of glory, would grant unto each of us, according to the riches of your glory, to be strengthened with might by your spirit in our inner man, that Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith, that we, being rooted and grounded in love, your love, may be able to comprehend with all other believers what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that we might be filled with all your fullness. Now unto you who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that works in us unto you be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages world without end. Amen. Father we pray that prayer and Father we ask uh, that you'd help us each to tap into your love more the love that you've just put in abundance within us, Father, that you'll help us to love our families with that love, that you'll help us to love our coworkers with that love, that you'll help us um, to love each and every person that we come in contact with, Father, not just in word, but also in what we do. Father, we pray that your love uh, would show up so much in us that just like you said they would, they'll know us because of our love. Father, that... Uh, we just declare that we are a church full of the love of God, that we are a church that allows your love to operate in us and through us, that we are a church that's available for you to love people through. Father, we thank you for the great love that you've loved us with, that your love is everlasting and never-ending. And Father, we um, ask you for opportunities this week to show your life and your love to those that we are around, those that we come in contact with, Father. I thank you that your love, your divine love, constrains us, and Father, that we don't have to uh, yield to the flesh, but we can speak out of love, that we can surround people in faith and love, that they can sense your presence, sense your spirit, sense your love, sense your belief in them, Father, sense the purpose that you have for them and for their lives. And Father, we pray for all of those right now in France, Father. We pray that the name of Jesus would be lifted up, Father. We pray that many hearts and lives would turn to you, Father. We pray for all of those families, Father, right now. We plead the blood of Jesus over them. Father, we ask you to comfort them by your Holy Spirit. Father, that the believers in that country would rise up with your love and show your love to those families, to those friends, not only there, Father, but the people in America that were affected by that and people in 
uh, Great Britain and around the world that lot, whose lives have been touched. Father, we pray that uh, a clarity and a light would shine on the situation, that the world would know that Jesus Christ is alive and that Jesus Christ is love. Father, we, we thank you uh, for the blood of Jesus. We thank you that uh, you protect us, that no evil will befall us, no accident will overtake us. Father, we pray for the leaders of our country, Father, that you'll uh, give them your wisdom, your knowledge, that the name of Jesus Christ would be glorified, that decisions would be made that would not hinder the spread of the gospel, but that that would promote the spread of the gospel. Father, we pray uh, for the name of Jesus to be preached, to be lifted up, your gospel to be preached and to be lifted up all around the world. In Jesus' name, amen.